You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Folks, and welcome to episode 96 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchot, and this is the show for September 2021. Um, I have a great guest lined up whom we had all hoped would be with us for this September show, but uh, the health gods have not uh, shone on us today. So unfortunately, my guest is suffering a little bit at the moment. So I have told them to look after themselves and get healthy, and then we look forward to chatting with them sometime soon. Uh, in the meantime, though, that means it's an unplanned solo show. So I was in two minds about a topic that's intrigued me for a while. And so it just seems like, well, if the guest you were planning on can't make it and you have an idea that you're humming and hawing, is it worthy of a show? Is it not worthy of a show? Well, I think the balance just flipped it towards, let's talk about it on the show. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And recently I was going through some back episodes of a podcast about creativity, I guess, uh, from the good people over at Adobe called Spark and Fire. And, um, well, I'll give you their their tagline. A podcast celebrating the hero's journey behind every creative practice, including yours. They interview people who create things and they talk about how they create those things. It is a wide variety of people. Um, If I can make a few other recommendations that are not photography related, I thoroughly enjoyed the second most recent show, which is an interview with uh, the uh, cellist Yo-Yo Ma, not about his own music, but about his work setting up the Silk Road Project, um, which is a sort of a a way to bring artists from around the world together to create unique music based on all of their cultures. And basically everyone brings something to the party, like the Silk Road blended cultures for millennia. The idea is to blend classical music cultures. Um, it's fascinating. So actually, double recommendation, the podcast episode is great. But since listening to it, I've also been listening to a lot of Silk Road tracks while, you know, working from home. Um, and I've thoroughly enjoyed them. So uh, anyway, three picks we're already up to and I haven't even got to photography yet. So Spark on Fire is the podcast. And the episode that caught my ear and I is the one with a photographer called Stephen Wilkes and he has created a large body of work under the title Day to Night which is nothing short of fascinating it's certainly unique it's certainly it's not a cliche it's not something I've seen anyone else do and the each of these images is a massive piece of work it, it's it's a real creation it's well it's literally a day a day's work to actually shoot the images but it's a heck of a lot more than a day's work to set them up 
Um, so there's a whole bunch of preparation. There's a day's worth of shooting. And then there's a whole bunch of post-processing. So it's called Day to Night. And each image in the series is a very special type of time-lapse. Where the image as a whole is not of any one time, but of a span of time. But each slice of the image is of a particular time-ish, kind of. Because there's an awful, awful, awful lot of creativity goes into the act of post-processing. So it's not a linear slice. Okay. Every image has a direction. Some of the images are top to bottom, bottom to top, left to right, right to left. They all have a direction. And whatever the starting point of that image's direction is, is the single scene the photograph is of taken at the start of the day. And then as you move in the photograph's direction, the time moves forward. And so the middle of the image is going to be the middle of the day. And you end with the end of the day at the other side of the frame. So as I say, most of them are a left to right progression, but there are some that are a bottom to top progression. So it's literally a whole day's worth of shooting to capture all of this time. And then you post-process it, but you can't just stack the images. and there's no blur in the images. There's no, um, you know, individual people show up in the images. And so they're obviously picked from a single frame. The sky isn't have, doesn't have like clouds that blur into each other. No, the sky has each cloud is an individual sharp cloud. So obviously the line between time is wibbly wobbly. <laughs> I hope Doctor Who fans enjoy that. Um, so the, 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 Basically, every part of the image is meticulously picked from a single frame so that there's nothing cut off, there's nothing truncated, there's nothing blurred. So the image looks like, initially, your first glance is, this is a picture of a single place at a single time because there's nothing blurred. You know, if there's a helicopter in the sky, there's a helicopter in the sky. It's just... It's just amazing, actually. So... The the image that the podcast is about and the story that the podcast tells is one image in this series. And if this entire series had been one image, I would have already been impressed. But anyway, the image it's about is the shot he took of the 2021 presidential inauguration. And it's a view from... The bottom of, I believe it's called the Mall, basically the, the giant big wide avenue uh, where rather than having lots and lots of people, we well, normally have lots and lots and lots of people uh, watching the inauguration. Instead, there are flags representing the people who wish they were. Actually, I believe, unfortunately, I believe there are flags for everyone who died from COVID. And there's a lot of flags. Oh, boy, there are a lot of flags. Um, Anyway, it, it is... It is a view towards the Capitol building where on the steps is the flags draped and the speeches speechifying and all the stuff that goes with an inauguration. You know, the, the bit you saw on Teddy. Um, but at the left of the image, it's dark. It's not yet daylight. And there are these, this row of various banners. They look to be flags of some sort. 
uh, and they're on lampposts, and those lampposts have lights shooting up into the sky, basically like pillars of light. And so they left in images, pre-dawn sky, pillars of light, there's a hint of sort of a nice purpley pre-dawn sky. And then as you move across the image, in the middle of the image it's midday, so the the capital dome, right, the, that, that famous dome, those diagonal steps, you know, the bit you know is in broad midday sunlight, which is of course the inauguration is at noon. So that's obviously the part of the image that represents the middle of the day, and it's in the middle of the image. And it's a beautiful sunlit capital dome looking pearly white and beautiful above it, a crisp blue sky and a few fluffy clouds. And, you know, you have a few people standing around amidst the sea of flags and they're all sharp. And then as you move further to the right on the image, um, the sky begins to darken. It goes a beautiful orange colour. Clouds get a little bit thicker. Um, Marine One is actually hovering in the sky, which is a nice catch. Um, and then we have the other side of the, I think, is that the mall? Anyway, whatever the name of that giant big avenue is, um, I may be mixing it up with the one that the Queen wanders down in London. Anyway, um, is the other flags, which are in sort of, you know, it's not darkness yet. So it's from pre-dawn to dusk, rather than from pre-dawn to post-dusk. So they're not, the image isn't fully symmetric in how dark it gets from left to right. But it captures the day of the inauguration in the, the entire day in a single image. And yet at, at first glance, you know, because there's no motion blur, because every cloud is complete, I mean, the amount of work to blend all this together, it, it is staggering to me. And so my initial thought on hearing the description, he, he's up in a cherry picker to take this, being buffeted by the wind, making sure to get his shots all in register and stuff. I mean, it, it quite the project. And the thing with an inauguration is, no matter how famous a photographer you are, you don't get to tell the president to do it again. And, you know, the Supreme Court just doesn't do it twice. Um, well, unless you're President Obama and there's some worries about whether he got the wording right, but let, let's not go there. Um, so, just this one image, hearing it described... I was listening to this podcast while cycling, as, as I listen to so many podcasts. So I heard I heard the description, how the image was made, and the description of the image entirely in audio format, like you're hearing it now. And I was immediately inspired to go check out Stephen Wilkes' website. So I did, and I very quickly found the Day to Night series. And I found the image. The first one in the gallery is the inauguration. And it is amazing. Only it's the first one in the series. There's a whole gallery of them. So the amount of work this took isn't a one-off. This is this is what Steve Wilkes does. So the second one in the series is similar in theme, I guess, to the inauguration. Um, it's a Black Lives Matter protest around the, I believe it's called the Reflecting Pool, with the Lincoln Monument um, in the background. And this is... This second image is great that it's second because this is one that works the exact, well, not the exact opposite. The exact opposite would be right to left instead of left to right. This is one that works orthogonally to the first one. So the foreground is the start of time, (laughs) the start of the image's time. And the background is the end of the image's time. So time is moving 
from foreground to background instead of from left to right in this shot. And it doesn't start pre-dawn and end at dusk, which I think would be very difficult to do in an image where time moves from foreground to background. So the image starts in the middle of the, not exactly the middle of the day, but while the sun is high in the sky. The shadows are short, but they're not zero. Um, And you have masked protesters in front of the pool in front of the reflecting pool um, with little fountains with their various Black Lives Matter signs um, taking pictures and selfies and you know being actually quite distant for uh, for a big protest um, and then as you move into the image obviously that's the, the foreground is obviously people arriving in preparation for the march and then into the middle of the image, you have clearly the march at full swing. There are crowds of people, lots of colour, lots of banners, lots of flags. It's very clearly a large demonstration, protest, whatever you want to call it. Uh, some people standing in the reflecting pool. Tut, tut, tut. Quite a few, actually, but I'm guessing that they were selected for multiple frames and then at no point in time were there quite so many people in the water. Um, but anyway, as you continue to move into the image, then you end up with the Lincoln uh, Monument, the Lincoln Memorial itself with its colonnades in twilight. So it is both lit naturally and by artificial lights under the colonnade. And then in the background, you have the nighttime Washington, D.C. city skyline. So foreground is before the protests. Midground is the protest, and the background is a nighttime cityscape. It is, again, a stunning image. And again, at first glance, it's a single photo, right? Because none of the people are cut off, none of the people are blurred. It, it, they're all there, all of them, including the naughty ones standing in the reflecting pool. Um, so that's kind of, okay, that's, that's cool. And those two are of a kind. But as you continue to click your way through the series, they're not all of, um, you know, Washington, D.C. Um, So the third one in the series then is completely different. Polar bears in Minitoba, Canada. And so you have polar bears in the daytime, a full moon at night and an amazing sky overhead. So again, this is one where where time is moving front to back, through the image. And as you just keep clicking, you just get more and more of them. You know, the Great July Meltdown is one going left to right again, a spectacular panorama with floating icebergs, the sunset, and then an amazing nighttime sort of a sunset sky in the far right of the image. And you just keep clicking through. <laughs> the, the next one then is in Iceland, um, where you have people in a volcanic pool uh, with the most turquoisey, amazing looking water, all, you know, in their swimming trunks because it's volcanically heated water while there is literally snow on the rocks in the foreground. And the left of the image, you have a low sun hovering over the mountains. And on the right of the image, you have the aurora in the middle of the night. It is... A really stunning image, but again, it's a whole day's worth of work, and you can just get lost, right? There's nature scenes with grizzly bears in British Columbia, and there are all sorts of amazing 
bird shots, sand cranes in Nebraska, um, gannets in Scotland. Ooh, the Bass Rock in Scotland. Um, albatross in the Falkland Islands with a rainbow, the moon and an amazing sunset sky and all of these birds and none of them are overlapping with each other. So obviously at no one point in time were there so many birds, but again, picking the birds from each frame over the day, the place is pretty darn crowded. Um, an amazing beach scene in Connecticut where on the one side of the image you have people doing the usual things, paddling in the water, you have people in the middle of the day out sunbathing in the middle of the image, and then on the right of the image are people with uh, sparklers and things doing light painting in the middle of the night. So I guess there's one with a bit of blur, but it's intentional. Um, and again, an amazing Rio beach scene where you go from sunrise to midday to a nightscape. You know, you've got a mix of nature. You have, ooh, Canada Day. That's quite spectacular with fireworks, no less. So the foreground is in daylight. The background is at nighttime with fireworks over the really quite impressive Canadian Parliament building. Um, it's, you know, you could argue architecturally it's just copying the Houses of Parliament. But yeah, their copy's better. Um, the symmetry uh, with the clock tower in the middle is actually nicer than having Big Ben off to the side. So, uh well done, Canada. You managed to outdo the British Houses of Parliament by copying them better, in my humble opinion. Um, you have uh, the Tour de France arriving in Paris, where you have a pre-dawn sky, the Arc de Triomphe in the middle, fully lit with a squadron of airplanes overhead, trailing the French flag in coloured smoke over to a nice evening sunset across the, you know, the, the capital city, um, cityscape, you know, Paris skyline. Stonehenge. I mean, it just goes on. So you have architecture, you have culture, you have politics, you have nature. And all of these images play with time, either left to right or front to back. And all of them are amazingly composed as single snapshot images. And then you realise that they contain within their frame a day's worth of activity in that place, a day's worth of the comings and goings of that place, of that thing. It's, it is an extremely unusual to capture the, an extremely unusual way to capture the totality of a single scene uh, in one amazing shot. Uh, The Brooklyn Bridge, again, an amazing one for 2016. Tulips in the Netherlands. uh, It's just, you will get lost. You will just keep cycling through, cycling through. Actually, Times Square is kind of impressive. Um, oh, um, another one, the flat iron. Where the flat iron is like dividing day and night, which is, uh, you know, with a very, very sharp edge. This one has a really sharp division between the day and the night. So it's one scene with half of it daylight, half at night, so night time. And the flat iron building, literally one face is fully in sunshine and the other face is fully in darkness and that, very, very narrow point of the building is acting as the as a, a slice through time. It's uh, really quite impressive, especially because the shot has been composed to capture the um, memorial to the Twin Towers straight down that avenue in front of one of the sides of the Flatiron building. So the composition is simply stunning. So really, what, I was just fascinated by listening to the podcast. So I would suggest that this is, you know, Listen to the podcast, listen to Stephen describe how much work goes into each and every single one of these images and then go to his website and you're going to expect to find like, you know, 
five or six of these images or whatever. No, there is a gallery of them and you can just keep clicking and you will keep being fascinated and amazed and remember every single one of these images took a day to capture the raw input but they must have taken weeks of planning and goodness knows how much time post-processing um it is it is absolutely amazing and as a secondary recommendation i would if you enjoy the one episode of the uh, spark and fire podcast well why not um listen to some more because i would argue that they are all extremely good uh, you know the entire podcast series so i am going to draw a line under this um slightly unplanned podcast i i hope you i hope you find the recommendation inspiring because i certainly did um and i hope you get lost enjoying the images like i have um quite a few times now i've actually had it um I've kept the website open on my iPad and after dinner when I have a few minutes to relax, I sort of scroll through a few more images and soak them in because there's so much going on in each one because they literally capture an entire day. So it's um, it's an awful, awful lot of fun to to, to hang around on the, on the site and look at them in detail. Um, in the meantime, um, just to say that while I'm recording this, I am waiting for my iCloud backup to restore onto my new iPhone 13 Pro. So, from a photography point of view, the iPhone, in fact, the single biggest feature of the iPhone 13 Pro is, I think, the bits photographers care about. Or maybe photographers and videographers. Better screen, way better cameras, and some amazing digital image processing and video processing as well as static image processing. So, expect sometime in the next month or two to hear me describe my experiences of having a built-in macro lens straight into the a phone permanently in my pocket i imagine i'm going to get a lot of use out of that i don't know if i'm going to get a lot of use out of cinematic mode but i did an entire podcast episode on why i think computational photography is the future and i rather stand by that uh, episode and um i think this um cinematic mode where it automatically pulls focus and stuff or you can pull it in post in post change focus and post of a video Amazing. Um, I imagine I'll be talking about that again. So that's a little preview of something I'm sure will come up. Um, and in the meantime, I am there's a good likelihood, if not next month, the month after, there will be an, an interview episode. Hopefully, um, my guest is feeling much better and uh, they're in the mood to have a chat as opposed to being unfortunately miserable and, you know, well, it's just not nice being unwell, is it? It just isn't. Anyway, I'm going to stop rambling on. Um, I do want to end by saying there'll be links to all of the things I've talked about in the show notes at lets-talk.ie. The observant among you may notice that the podcast feed is in a state of flux. I am in the process of remastering the entire podcast feed and putting better metadata onto every episode so that links are clickable and the various fields contain more relevant and more pithy information. This is a slow and, well, frankly, tedious process. So I'm about a quarter of the way done. Um, So over the next month or two, you're going to see the feed slowly 
get a new look episode by episode by episode. Um, the most recent five and soon to be six when I post this one are done in the new format and the first 20 I think I have done as well. And I'll be filling in the gap in between as, as time goes on. Um, I'm also moving the physical hosting of the podcast episodes onto my own server, um, which is something I haven't done up until now, which has the advantage of not costing any money when it's on someone else's server and the disadvantage of not having any logs when it's on someone else's server. So I genuinely have not the vaguest clue whether there is one of you out there listening or a million of you out there listening. Um, And so one of the advantages of moving to my own server is that I will know how few or how many people listen to me prattling on. And the disadvantage is uh, there will be a bill. I'm not quite sure how big the bill will be because it sort of depends on quite how nuts I go and what file sizes and stuff. Which I guess is all a long way of saying the show only exists because it is listener supported. There are no ads, there are no advertisers and I sort of kind of wanted to break even. This is not my day job. I have a day job and I like my day job. This is something I do for fun. I just wanted to break even. Um, and thanks to all of you amazing listeners, it has been breaking even, and now I'm about to incur some extra bills. So if you've been on the fence about whether or not to support the show, now would be a good time to pop off the fence and um, buttress me up against the media hosting bills I'm about to experience um, for the first time. It'd be interesting. Anyway, you'll find all of that at letstashtalk.ie under the support the show. Um, the best way to support ongoing bills, like the media bill I'm going to start getting soon, is the Patreon link. You basically pledge a small dollar amount and I post two shows a week. You pledge an amount per show, not two shows per week, goodness me, two shows per month, one Apple, one photography. Uh, you pledge a small dollar amount per episode. So if you would like to give me two dollars a month, pledge one because, uh, you know, two shows, one times two is two. Uh, if you'd like to give me a fiver, 250, you get the idea. Um, there's also a PayPal button for one-off larger donations, which I use for new hardware and things like the microphone I'm talking into, the boom arm, the microphone is hanging off, um, and, you know, headphones and software, uh, lots of software. So much software involved in recording podcasts, uh, editing, etc. Anyway, everyone who has supported the show financially it exists because of you, so you rock, and I thank you for it. And I know from many, many years of experience that you can't. Not everyone can support every podcast they listen to, especially now if you listen to as many as I do. Um, but just because you don't support a show financially doesn't mean you don't support a show. Every single time you tell a friend about a show, that is supporting the show. Every single time you tweet about it or post about it on that Facebook thing I detest, that is supporting the show. You know, spread the word. It really genuinely helps. So anyway, if you've ever supported the show in any way whatsoever, I thank you very much. If you've been on the fence, now would be a convenient time to pop off the old fence and uh, chip in a few bob. If you can and only if you can, do not put yourself under any stress to help little old me. I'll be grand. Okay, right. I'm going to leave it there. I will talk to you again next month. And until then, happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. 
Hi, my name is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS at InTouchWithIOS.com with my co-host, Warren Sklar. We talk about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and related technologies. We also have some great guests from the Apple community that also talk to us uh, relating to any tips, any apps, any news of the day, anything that's going on with Apple. Please give us a listen. Our website is InTouchWithIOS.com.